Are you ready to get the body and health you've always wanted? It's time to do it. This is Bodies by Brent. Brent has been a personal trainer for 16 years, and now he's all yours. Interviewing the pros in health, wellness, and the fitness field. Get educated and motivated. Let's get to work. From Austin, Texas, this is Bodies by Brent. And this is your host, Brent Ruska. Welcome to Bodies by Brent. I am your host, Brent Ruska. Today we have trainer Tessa on. She is an online fitness coach, helps millennial women reach their goals. Today we go over the most common myths and debunk them. This is a great episode and I hope you share it with somebody that will greatly benefit from this. Trainer Tessa, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. Introduce yourself. Well, I'm Tessa, known as the Trainer Tessa, but soon to be a new brand name. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, so, well, I can't tell you yet, but coming as beginning of January, no, no exclusivity for you, sorry. It is a big rebrand. It's just more aligned with really who my ideal client is, who I'm looking to target, Uh, but it really is just a brand that is speaking to... um, my mission to target millennial women and help them to be really bold and confident in the gym. So oh, that's rad. Yeah. Well, how did you get into being a trainer? Why are you a trainer? Why are you passionate about helping Ooh, millennial women? Starting with all the deep questions. Boom, let's go. Well, I think I originally started in fitness being a college athlete. So being a cheerleader throughout college, that's kind of what sparked my interest in fitness. I can't say that's where it all started. Being in college, I wasn't gung-ho at the gym all the time. I definitely enjoyed the athletic aspect of it. But I would say that after college, moving to Los Angeles is really when I found my passion for fitness because I was just so lonely moving to a huge city, not knowing anybody. I worked in fashion and it's pretty much a dog eat dog world out there. Oh, so yeah. yeah. And so I wanted an outlet and that outlet for me was going to Equinox as soon as they opened at like 445 in the morning and just spending time working on programming and really enjoying that first like hour and a half before I had to get into this crazy job where I was running around like a mad woman delivering clothes to celebrities, wow. uh, which was super cool. But that's really where I found like programming itself. Um, How long I, ago was this? So that was in 2011. Okay. Yeah. So it was right after I graduated. Five days later, I moved to Los Angeles and was like, I'm getting out of Reno, Nevada as fast as I can. And so. So 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Cool. It's crazy. Good. Yeah. That's- <laughs> but yeah. So that's when I initially found fitness. And I think that. What did you start reading to learn about programming? Like, what did you. So I actually started on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. So I followed Heidi Summers, who is Buff Bunny. Okay. Who now has her big collection of clothing and okay. athletic wear. Um, she used to just post videos on YouTube of like what she would eat in a day or of her workouts. And I just pretty much followed all of her workouts. And then once I had gone through all of her workouts, I would rework them and add in other things I was finding through different YouTubers. Cause I mean, obviously Instagram was a thing, but it wasn't what it was today. And so YouTube was really where it was at. And I had spent so much time throughout high school and college on YouTube that I was just proficient in finding people there. And that's really where I started finding exercises or workouts, trying new things that I had never done before. Um, And I built up what I thought was a good physique. Now looking back, I'm like, wow, interesting. Um, But I really built up this regimen that worked for me at the time. 
And then from there, just kind of developed. Um, after Los Angeles, I moved to Las Vegas and I lived there until now. Um, when did you get to Austin? I got to Austin in, so May will be two years. Awesome. Yeah. So a little under two years now. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. what was your fitness experience like in Vegas? So it was really good there. I worked with quite a few trainers in Vegas. Um, I worked with my friend Kennedy Shields, who's a really awesome in-person trainer. She does small group training. Nice. I absolutely loved working with her. And then um, trying to think even what else I was doing in Vegas. I just was doing different types of exercise. I was doing group fitness and I was um, just kind of like popping around doing random things, still working on my own programming, but trying to get more experience with other trainers or just at different gyms around the area. Um, they've got some really, really awesome gyms. I know you and I have talked about this before. Yeah, you showed me some cool spots. Yeah, they just have a really good arena for bodybuilding. I think that because of what Las Physique Vegas... Training. Yeah, yeah, so it's very with much... Olympia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very much competitive bodybuilding, but it's... What are the names of the couple gyms that you showed me? Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have okay. to look them up. I'm yeah. like off the top they're, of they're my head. Though, like super cool lighting, mm-hmm. super big. Independent trainers could like kind of do their own thing. It looked like, right? Yeah. There's, there's really great gyms out there. Um, it's just a different, a different world. And I think having seen that and watching so many friends compete, um, I, I traveled in all of 2019. So I went to Europe for about four and a half months. Okay. And so that's really when I found training in terms of training clients. Okay. So while I was abroad, it was interesting because if you've ever tried to go to a gym in Europe, there's, they're just, just not the same. So we found like a little gym when we were in Croatia that we would work out at. And then every month when we would go to a new location, we'd either have to find a gym or we would have to uh, do workouts in a park. So when we were in Valencia, Spain, there was no gym that we could find. So we all started working out in this huge park. It's kind of like the green belt, cool. just all grass. And so we would all meet up, all of my friends that were traveling. There's probably a group of 10 of us. Um, and I would write just like really quick 45 minute hit workouts that we would do. So we would do circuit training. We would do things with bands because I was able to find bands and like a couple other pieces of equipment while we were traveling. So I started teaching my friends what to do and would just like run them through classes. I had never done that before and just love the experience of like hyping them up. Yeah. It's just so fun. It's such a good environment to teach group fitness. So that was like the moment you're like, I want to train people. Yeah. So I actually at that moment, I was working for what I owned a marketing agency at the time. And then I was working with a restaurant group in Las Vegas. And I had called my boss and I or was eventually my boss. And I was like, I'm going to close down my marketing company. I was like, I want to work for you full time. And she happened to own a franchise, an F45 franchise. And she's like, okay. So she's like, do you, when you come back, do you want to teach F45? And I was like, well, sure. And I had never heard of F45 before. Obviously it's a huge company, a huge brand, but I had never heard of it. And she was like, well, I bought into this franchise and she's like, you can come work for the restaurants and then you can also train. And it was nice because since they knew I was doing, doing both things, there was a lot of flexibility in my day job. Yeah. I mean, we were working in restaurants. I got to sit at the bar and try cocktails during the day. It was an awesome job. <laughs> but no, so I went back in uh, at the end of 2019 and started teaching at F45. And that's when I became a certified trainer. So I actually did my certification while I was in Europe. 
Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I took cool. the test right when I got back. And now you've transitioned all online. Yes, awesome. I have. I have one in-person client. She is hanging on and I adore her. Um, but other than that, no, I'm doing everything online now. I've That's transitioned awesome. out of group fitness. So I'm no longer teaching group fitness. Um, although I love it. I just, I like the freedom to travel and explore the world. And I just feel that I have such a nomadic spirit. I can't be tied down. So I need online business. That's awesome. <laughs> And with online <laughs> clients, you get lots of questions all the time. I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably a lot of common misconception questions you get all the time or myths that, you know, us as trainers, we hear them and we're like, oh, God. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to go over a bunch of those with you today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made a post today on Instagram yesterday. When today. Was, today. Yeah. It was today. It was today. Oh. Good job. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> what were some that you posted and talked about? Um, so one of them was that it was like too difficult to eat the amount of food that they were like a lot of my clients are eating or that I'm just giving them food and it's going to make them gain weight. That's one of the big ones or. So why, why is that, you know, uh, a myth, but, or why is that something that can be kind of triggering to a trainer? Yeah, I think because you're a female, you've trained a long time. And when you hear that, you know, what do you feel and think? Yeah, and you obviously train women, so you, I'm sure, have heard these things as well. But I don't know where this idea that women should be eating like 1,200 calories has come around. If you ask a majority of women that are right around mid-20s to mid-30s, I have a feeling a lot of them will say they've heard that at some point in their life, that women should be eating 1,200 calories. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I don't either. And so that one I cannot debunk for you. But I think that just with society and what we've been told or have had this misconception that we're supposed to be eating X amount of food, that when anybody tells a woman to be eating more food, we honestly honestly just start to panic because we're like, but how? Or if people start to look at their diet, they, let's just say somebody thinks like, oh my gosh, this is too much food. A lot of the clients that are saying that are clients who have been eating fast food for three meals a day. Yeah. And so when they're eating real whole foods and fulfilling meals, they're getting full and they're like, well, I can't eat all this food. And I'm like, you were eating more than that. You just happen to be eating it in McDonald's. Yeah. And so. So why do you have them eat more? Yeah. Well, it, not every client is eating more food. So let me get that straight. For it sure. is a very strategic process. And it's not just like they come to me and I'm like, all right, time to eat more food. <laughs> but, but it has to do with their metabolism and essentially teaching their metabolism how to do its job. Your body is not broken. Your metabolism isn't broken. And I think that people think like, oh, I'm never going to be able to fix it because it's just not possible to do so. It is, but it's also a process because once our bodies are fed a certain amount of food or what they're supposed to be at, essentially, they start to relearn how to work. And our bodies are using that food as energy. So it doesn't just go into fat unless you're a completely sedentary individual and you're not doing things to actually use up that energy. So the reason these clients are starting to eat more. So for example, if a client comes to me, I have a lot of clients that are nurses. Nurses seem to have the hardest time eating because they're working these really long shifts where they can't eat for six to eight hours. You know, they're 
working. And so they have a hard time getting in all of this food. And so when we look at what they're eating every day, they're eating like maybe a thousand calories of food. Yeah. And then they're doing, I mean, they're still doing activity. And so their body just like thinks, oh, I'm surviving on a thousand calories. It's fight or flight. You know, it's like, ah, yes, I'm surviving. Yep. And because that's all it knows how to do. Your body has to keep you alive somehow. So it learns how to adapt to that Mm -hmm. and it stays in that place. And so when we're trying to add that more food in, it's so we can get them to a place where their BMR or their basal metabolic rate is in a steady spot. So your body's actually eating enough food to sustain itself and not to be in a constant starvation mode. And so we're trying to build that up slowly. And again, it's not just they don't come to me and I'm like, all right, time to eat 2000 calories. Like it doesn't work like that. It's not black and white. It's a lot of trial and error and adding it in slowly. And that's when people, the term reverse dieting comes into play is we are really reversing it. We're trying to add in food so that they can get to that place where their body is sustaining itself at this maintenance where it's basically coasting and happy and where it's naturally supposed to be. And then we can start talking about like adding in more muscle or cutting fat. But until you get to that place, there's really nowhere to go because your body is in starvation mode. If I were to... You can't cut more calories. No. And people will say, okay, well, I keep trying to cut more and cut more. And I did this journey myself and I can tell you my personal experience. I mean, I lived in this same theory of where I thought I was supposed to be eating X amount of calories for years. And I hired a, um, like a macro coach from Instagram who, again, I don't think these people are bad at what they do. I think that their program is really successful for a lot of women. But when I went to them, um, I, I probably weighed, I don't know. I'm going to throw out a number. I was probably 110 pounds. And when they came back to me, also, I am short. So that does come into play. But the amount of calories they gave me, they gave me like 1,100 calories for a cut. And I started to gain weight when I did it because I think I was under eating because I was working at Orange Theory um, full time. So I was walking. Oh, gosh. I was probably walking 25,000 steps a day. Damn. I was also working out for an hour every day and I was doing cardio. This is such a common story. I can tell you how many <laughs> women come to me and they're like barely eating. Yeah. Doing a shit ton of cardio. Yeah. And they're like inflamed almost and heavier. And then they cut out some of the cardio, lift some more weights, eat some more food, and then they just start shrinking. Yeah. And it's also like for me, I, I did an experiment because I was like, okay, so I started gaining weight when I was eating. 1200 calories and i was like so my body clear i'm clearly in a surplus right now my body isn't hasn't found its maintenance so i wanted to see what i would have to eat to lose a pound just out of curiosity and i tracked this this wasn't like i got on the scale and lost a pound overnight this was over like a four to six week period so i did this for a while but to actually see results i had to go down to like 900 calories, which I promise you, you cannot live on the 900 calories. No. You know? So then what and did you so, do? so then I had to look and I had to t- teach myself how to reverse diet. So whenever I tell my clients that I've done this, I have done this for myself because I had to get to a place where I was adding in 50 to 100 calories every week to every two weeks so that I could get my body to a place where when I was eating that much, it wasn't gaining anymore necessarily, but I was able to build muscle. 
And so I did that. Um, that was in January. So it's been almost a year and I am now, I've now doubled that. So now I eat over 2000 calories and I sleep better. I lift better. I maintain my weight. I'm not trying to lose any weight, yeah. but I maintain it. I feel good. Um, I could do all the things I want to do and my clothes still fit me just the same, but I've done yeah. this in a really slow, meticulous process. And I've also started to lift a lot heavier. So I've challenged myself and I've changed the intensity of my fitness to match the amount of food and or energy that I'm intaking. Yeah. What do you tell clients that are resistant to wanting to track or measure their food? That's a good one. Um, so it it depends on what their goals are. And so it really comes down to if they have a very specific goal. If somebody comes to me and they're looking. Well, say you find out they're eating 800 calories uh huh, and they're like resistant. What do you say to them or what do you have them do? In terms of resisting wanting to eat more food, mm-hmm. um, I usually say start slow. I usually start having them just look at their protein because we know that protein is, if they're trying to build muscle, going to be the most important thing for them to take in. I agree. Um, so I typically just have them start kind of counting calories overall, but paying most attention to that protein number. And I usually set a lower protein goal, but for almost all women, I try and do at least like a hundred, a hundred grams of protein. That's usually a baseline. Nice. Um, and it's kind of just a goal like, hey, do you think you can hit it three times this week? Do you think you can try next week? Do you want to let's try and hit it at least four times? And so yeah. it's a process because it's not easy for everybody. And I do understand that for yeah. me, it's easy because I've been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. For other people, it doesn't it's, come natural. It's a learning experience. It's, it's a huge learning experience. Yeah, You got to be patient with yourself as you go through, you know, it comes with a lot trying of to grace. measure stuff <laughs> and this and that. And it's challenging at first, but yeah, know, it's not going to be always challenging. Yeah. And I think, again, so it kind of comes down to what their goals are. If they have very specific goals, people say, well, do I have to macro count forever? No, the answer is no, you don't. But if you have specific goals and you want to reach them in a six month period, yeah, unfortunately you do. Mm-hmm. And I hate to be harsh with my clients and give the tough love. But at the end of the day, if you want to see these results in X amount of time, Unfortunately, that's going to be the best way to do so. Is it the only way? No. Um, there's also the plate method. There's also, um, there's different ways to do things. You can. It's just a tried and true. It'll get the job done. It'll yeah. Get you to where it you will. Be. Yeah. I mean, it's a science based, yeah. you know. What are activities that, like, what are most of your clients doing workout wise before they come to you? And do they have resistance? I imagine you switch them to doing weights. Yes. Yeah. I would say actually a majority of my clients have lifted some in their life. I would not say I get a lot of women that haven't. Got it. Um, a lot of them, like I'll get a lot of clients that are members like a lifetime fitness and do their classes, which lifetime has great classes. Like, they really do, uh, but they're doing hit classes or they're doing something like F45, Orange Theory. So there are lifting elements in all of those things. Yeah. Um, and what do you switch people? Do you have a style of yeah. programming you find is most effective? Yeah, I do bodybuilding training. Okay. So they're doing very much um, like a bodybuilding style split. Um, not all of them are doing five days a week. I have a lot of clients that are just doing three days and I have a lot of clients that are only doing 
30 minutes, three days a week. But yeah. they're all still doing something and they're doing something with a very specific goal of progressive overload. Yeah. Um, so that's what the type of progressive training. overload for everybody. Yes. I was like, I was like throwing that one out. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Uh, so progressive overload means that you're progressing in some sort of way. So there's tons of different ways and I probably won't even hit all of them, but like one of the ways you can progressively overload is by increasing your weights. That's probably the most simple easiest way to think of how you're progressing the basics of strength training yeah so week to week you are increasing your weight or every couple of weeks you're increasing your weight that is progressive overload Um, another way would be to increase your reps so if you're doing three sets of 10 with 50 pounds the next time you would do three sets of 12 with the 50 pounds that is again progressive overload Um, another way would be adding in tempo So switching up the tempo of your movement. So doing eccentric, which means, for example, if you were doing um, squats, you would add in a tempo as you go down into your squat and then you would do a regular tempo on the way up. That would be another way to do progressive overload. So there's tons of ways that they can transition through that. And one of the ways I always like to tell clients um, that's the easiest way to track if they're doing, again, we'll go back to three sets of 10 reps if they're doing they're all 50 pounds on every single set for the first week maybe they'll try adding 55 on that last set for their next week and then after that now they they know they can do 55 pounds maybe they'll do two sets with 55 and then that third week they'll do three sets with 55 they're continually progressing to increase something whether it be their again their tempo their weight Um, you can also rest for less time. That's not my favorite type of progressive overload, but it is still a a way to do it. It totally is. And this is why it's important. I always hear this. Like I tell my clients, like if you're going to lift on your own on the days we're not together, you got to track just, you got to, it's not hard. Just track some (laughs) stuff because it's so important or else you can't do what you're saying. Or you're just spinning in circles. Or you might be burning calories and maintaining. But like, if you want to really change your body, you got to track. Just open your phone. Keep it in your notes. Like, And it doesn't have to be a lot. No. Like one set for two more reps. One set for like five more pounds, right? Just yeah. a little bit. But also, you don't need to go in the mindset. You need to be setting new PRs all the time. Sometimes just a couple reps more yeah. is perfect. And I think like as a trainer, I, you might do this. I do this as well. I'm try and hit a new PR every single week. And then I'll realize I'm burnt out, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of taking a step back. And I think I have another post that I'll be, I just wrote yesterday um, that kind of talks about when you're like trying to level up your fitness, that's the same thing. You might notice that for four weeks, you're doing 15 pound lateral raises. And at one point do you go, okay, I need to start increasing my weight. And it, it takes a lot of that mind game to realize that you have to put in the effort to see the changes you want to see. And it's really uncomfortable to progress in your fitness, but it's super worth it. Yeah. It, you, you have to push yourself. You have to find your edge and continually push yourself forward. Yeah. Well, what do you do when women come to you and you're trying to have them lift more and they're like, I don't want to get too big? Oh, that is one. Actually, that's probably one of my favorite myths is that I'm going to get too big. Uh, yeah. Tell <laughs> as me. I just mentioned. I hear it all the time. Yeah. So as I, I just mentioned. I don't want to get too big. I don't want. And yes, there are some women who genetically are gifted to grow muscle much more. But in general, it's very hard. 
Yeah. Actually, it's one of my favorite things because I'll get a lot of women who will say to me, which I don't think they mean it offensively. They're like, I don't want my arms as big as yours. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, cool. Thanks. I really appreciate that. But you have awesome arms. I, they're strong. They're strong. Yeah. I can lift. I don't need anybody to help me pick up boxes when I order things from Amazon. Yeah. You know, I can put together my own furniture. But so they say, I don't want your arms. Yeah. And so I think that it comes down to or goes back to when we're talking about how much food women are eating. A lot of women are not eating enough food, especially not eating enough protein to be building this much muscle. I've been working out for 10 years. Have I been working out efficiently for 10 years? Questionable. But I was not able to see growth until I very specifically tried to target where my muscle growth was and and until I started eating a lot of food. Yeah. I'm eating quite a bit for like my body. If I was to show my clients how much food I ate, I don't think any of them are eating as much as I am because yeah. and I'm still trying to increase my maintenance calories because I want to continue to grow muscle. And yeah. you'll notice that some of these women that do have bulky muscles, they're eating like 3000 calories. Yeah. Because their bodies are learning how to use that energy and they're just full of lean muscle mass so they can do so safely and they have the goal of getting big. But if a client doesn't want to get big or grow their muscles too much, well, one, they're probably not going to do so, but it's going to, it's going to take a lot more hard work than us working together for just a year and yeah. eating. You have at, to be so intentional. You have to train yeah. so fucking hard. In addition to eating more, rinse, repeat, month after month after month, right? Look at how many guys out there that are trying to get big and they can't. It's, yeah. it, there's so many guys in the gym that the guys that aren't on drugs, they're constantly. Next time any girl goes, just go into the gym, look around at the guys. <laughs> Every single guy in there is trying to fucking get big. Which ones to you are big? Like maybe there's like a, you know, 15% might be big depending on the gym. But it's because none of the guys are eating enough either. Exactly. And they have a hundred times more testosterone in their body, which is like the number that is the main thing that's going to help you put on muscle. Right. So another thing is women have the testosterone levels of a 12 year old boy. So you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. And I think that it's it's just so it's so different. And most I mean, most women come to me and they're looking to get toned. Like that's really I if I had a dollar for every time somebody wanted to get toned. Describe what toned is. Or describe what happens inside of you when you hear that word. I actually don't hate it. I know it's so funny. I think a lot of trainers like have this really negative idea about toning. But when you explain to somebody that says they want to get toned what it actually means, explain they don't it. believe it. It means building muscle and losing body fat. And it's, so yeah, you're visibly able to see the muscle you've built. Yeah. So you look. Toned. Toned. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so funny. Like, I, I kind of like it for like a marketing standpoint. I think toned is a word because it's what people know. Small muscles. It's what people know. Yeah. They're like, oh, toned. But yeah, I mean, it really, it's, it's exactly that. It's just building muscle and then losing enough body fat so you can see those muscles. Um, and that's what I do for my clients. So yes, I get my time, my clients toned. <laughs> <laughs> I used I used to be very uh, annoyed by the word and sculpted as well. 
uh, when I was younger, but I also don't care that much. But it's just still funny that it's people to this day still say it. Yeah, so, no, I get it. I understand why other trainers are like, oh, it's not a good word to use. But I also understand like being a woman means. and what that mentality means to us, because that's just a word that's kind of drilled into our heads. And so we think that like being toned is the way to be like whatever the heck that means. So sure, I guess I am toned arms. <laughs> you know so what usually happens with your clients when they start lifting more well uh lots of things happen in terms of their confidence i would say their confidence goes up because yeah. that's that's actually my favorite element you can do all the body transformations in the world but it's what happens inside that really makes a difference because i had a client who she was an in-person client and when i switched fully online um explained everything to her and she was like all right i'm ready and she told me she said i'm scared shitless she's like i'm scared to go to the gym i am nervous and so we actually spent a couple days just going through gold's gym just kind of working through some of the machines that she was a little bit more afraid of and um by learning how to lift weights and being in a gym she has conquered so many fears. She's conquered this anxiety of being around people in the gym, of stepping into the gym. She, I hope she hears this. She like had a nasty spill and fell during one of her workouts and like sprained her ankle. Like she got hurt and had to get carried out of the gym. Bless her heart. And she went back the next week and crushed it. Nice. And the fact that she was able to have enough confidence to go back and do that having been somebody that was terrified to go to the gym in the first place, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. And so I like seeing the mental transformation that people are doing things that they didn't think they could do or hitting PRs that they thought they could never hit. Or when they see me lifting that they're like, okay, that's my new goal. Like that's exciting to me. Or I had a client that I recently just started working with and she's been working out for years and she was always an athlete. And she said, yeah, I've been working out, but I've never worked towards any kind of goals. And she said to me, she said, I finally feel like I'm actually like hitting milestones in my fitness. And I was like, that's it. That's exactly what I like to hear because I'm, these people are making transformations that aren't just physical transformations. But as far as lifting weights go, they start to see muscle. They start to see their bodies get toned because we are adding in that muscle that they're desiring, but we're also working to cut body fat if that's their goal. And a lot of times they're just seeing better stamina overall. Um, they're not seeing as much fatigue or tiredness because they're not doing five hours of cardio a week. It's just not something that is sustainable for a lot wow. of them. And um, it's helping a lot of them with their stress management because a lot of my clients are busy women. And so by doing all of that hit, they're not recovering. And by transitioning them over to weight training, although it's still intense, um, it's easier for their bodies to recover from because we're giving them the adequate amount of food. Yeah. So tell me, what are your top two exercises for glutes? Just real Ooh. side tangent, because I know my listeners are for sure going to want to know. Yeah. Especially from a female. Totally. Hip thrusts, for sure. I was really against hip thrusts because I was too embarrassed to do them for most of my life. Yeah. And think a lot of women are my clients tell me that all the time they're like these are so embarrassing best exercise um it's also the most fun to progress at i think yeah um my second exercise for glutes Ooh, i hate to say it lunges yeah yeah i'd say lunges i'm trying to think what else i like for glutes 
Gosh, everything. I mean, I love squats. I obviously, you know, I was like terrified of doing squats because I was scared I was going to drop the bar. And so that's been like the one of the more fun things to watch me progress in also. That's awesome. Um, what are you at, by the way? Ooh, what did I hit the other day? So for eight reps, I think I can hit 145 now. Good job. I know. Eight reps. <sighs> nice. Whew. Shocking. <laughs> I know I can do 12 body four four by 12 of my body weight and that was really exciting when i hit that four by 12 yeah four sets of 12 for my body weight yeah good job i know i've been crushing the squats that's gangster yeah trying to get to that 300 on my hip thrust yeah yeah we'll get there yeah i had a client hit 320 today i love it yeah it's wild people progress so quickly at hip thrusts the thing is though you gotta have the right bench height that's a game changer yeah yeah, I got. Do. I went to a new gym when I was back home, and they had one of those, um, like the glute setups, where it's the bench with the thing. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like the, the short bench. It's like the short bench, and then there's like a foot plate where you can put your feet. It's like one oh, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. thing, mm-hmm. one platform. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. So it's a lower bench, but I have to use like a regular bench at my gym. Yeah. Not the same. It's a whole process. The the. Women got to like oh. shimmy themselves up, especially if you're shorter. It's super tough. I have a very short torso. Yeah, it's this, very inconvenient. You have a first lift that you got to lift it up and even into position. Yeah. And then you do the lift. I'm the person that makes noise in the gym. I never <laughs> thought I would be that person. And then when I like forgot headphones one day, I was like, oh, my God, I'm the person that grunts in the gym. That's me. <laughs> That's awesome. I have no shame. No, just, no. just fucking go for it. I just go for it. Yeah. That's what I just wear like really loud colors. And I'm like, you know what? Whatever. (laughs) Might as well just go all in. You have to. So you got afraid of eating more. Yeah. Or like, I'm going to gain weight if I eat more. I'm going to get too big. Mm -hmm. What's another one? Ooh, carbs are bad or like low carb diets. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So this is obviously not for special populations. I think that that has to be said that there are special populations. This does not apply to. Um, and I recently had somebody say like that Hashimoto's and yeah, something like thyroid things, diabetes. I'm not a nurse. Um, I'm not an RD, so I can't really speak to those things and totally not going to, but this is for a healthy individual like me who doesn't have anything that would be restricting them from eating carbs. Um, I do have oftentimes people say that carbs don't make them feel good and, some of the times it, it does come down to like what feels good for your body. If I have a client tell me that something doesn't feel good to them, I'm not going to push it on them. You know, if you're, if you have eaten carbs and you're like, I don't feel good when I eat that many carbs, you have to listen to your body at the end of the day. But that yeah. being said, um, again, back to these things women have heard as we've all heard like low carb diets or, Doing all these things that are low carb. It can be psychological at first. So you got to kind of push people's edge. Yeah. Like but I test think, them a little but bit. But I think people also forget that carbs are in vegetables, fruits, whole grains, oatmeal. When was the last time you heard oatmeal was bad? It's not. I mean, maybe not like the dinosaur egg oatmeal. I mean, that's kind of bad, but Super delicious. Good, <laughs> <laughs> uh, even better when you put butter in it, but. <laughs> I, butter. Oh, don't even get me started. (laughs) But at the end of the day, like our bodies love carbs. And I think people don't realize that carbs are the number one source of energy for our bodies. It is the only macronutrient that goes directly into energy for us. Yeah. And if you want to train weights or train hard, you've got to eat carbs. You you get away from it. 
way with it for a little while, but you're gonna, it's a losing battle. Well, like I always, you hear about these people that do all this excessive cardio and then don't eat carbs. Like, where are they getting this energy? Why do you think they don't have any energy? It's because they're not eating carbs. And obviously, there's complex carbs. There's simple carbs. There's going to be two different aspects of it. You should be eating fruits and vegetables and whole grains. And you should be eating the oatmeal. You should be combining these things. It's not just like, okay, I can eat some Cheetos because there's carbs in there. But at the end of the day is I, I actually, I tell my clients, like, it is okay to eat those things, but in moderation, like, I ate cookie dough last night and I woke up and my abs were popping. I was like, my body loves cookie dough. (laughs) (laughs) So talk a little bit about that. What are some of your favorite carbs? But also, how can you eat cookie dough and have your abs popping? Yeah. Um, So my personal favorite carbs, I love rice. I find that rice is just something easy for me to incorporate. Um, I personally have a very hard time with the digestion of whole grains. So I do have to be a little bit cautious. But that really just means that those things are higher in fiber, which obviously women, especially we want to eat a little bit like 25 to 30 grams of fiber. So if you can eat brown rice, yes, it's good. But white rice is not bad. I don't eat brown rice personally. I just eat white rice. I eat white rice too. Um, I just like it. Do you eat potatoes and stuff? I do eat potatoes. I happen to eat a delicious potato that my roommate brought me this morning. Potatoes are actually super high on the satiation satiety index. Yeah. Like very low. I was like, that's the word. Satiety? Satiation. (laughs) (laughs) I speak English, I swear. (laughs) We're educated. All right. So you had potatoes last night. I had a potato this morning. Nice. I, yeah. I but I do eat potatoes. potatoes. I do eat potatoes. Nice. Um, I like sweet potatoes, like regular potatoes. I would will eat both of them. Yeah. Um, trying to think what other carbs I like. I love fruit. I really like grapes. Um, grapes are pretty high in carbs, really good in fiber. I also love apples, another really good high carb, easy. Um, not the easiest to always digest, but really delicious. I love fruit. Yeah. Um, I love vegetables as well. well. Actually, no, I don't love vegetables. I'm learning to love vegetables. I'll be honest here. Yeah. Um, I like green beans. So those are like your main carb sources, mm-hmm. sources rice, potatoes, yeah. and then fruits, fruits, and some vegetables, veggies, mm-hmm. and then cookie dough. So how do you integrate yeah. having some more mm-hmm. processed or simple carbs, you would call them. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing that in moderation. I'm not sitting there eating like excessive amounts of cookie dough, but like for me who macro counts, yeah. if at the end of the night I happen to have some extra fat left over, I personally plan everything in advance so that mm-hmm. I'm never um, in a place where I have like a hundred grams of carbs left, which is just terrifying at nine o'clock at night when you're like, Oh my God, I need to go eat two cups of rice i've been there i've been there too (laughs) but it's also frustrating when you want to have something sweet if you have a sweet tooth and you are counting and you're trying to reach these goals and you're like oh my gosh i've gone over but at the end of the day like are are you gonna die because you ate extra carbs no 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 if anything you might have a better training session but i also think for myself and for a lot of my clients it teaches us food freedom because i know that i can eat the cookie dough and i am eating 
when I like measured it out, it was significantly more than I had anticipated. And it was almost sickening how much I ate. And for me, that's just realizing that I, I do have the freedom to enjoy these things. It could have been a cookie. It could have been cookie dough. It could have been ice cream, whatever it is. But I don't feel stressed about like wanting to eat it. And I don't feel like I have to overeat it because I'm so full from my dinner and like the food I've eaten that I want to have that like little sweet tooth, you know. So I want to enjoy that. So I incorporate it in because it's important for me. It's also important for me personally to be able to have the flexibility to add in alcohol. Yeah. But I, I do still track that and pay attention to that. But again, I don't think everybody needs to do that. It's for my specific goals or my client yeah. specific goals to track that. I think that there's a misconception when I say like, oh, you have to track it that people always kind of panic and they're like, I would never track my alcohol. But again, it has yeah. to do with my goals. If I'm drinking 10 White Claws, which not only am I going to be blacked out, it's just not aligned with the goals I'm trying yeah. to set for myself. So what are tips you have for people that, because I have clients that they're going to drink alcohol, they enjoy it. How do they integrate that into their diet? So is, would you yeah. say tracking is way or like, how do you it do it? It totally depends. So the way I do it and the way I teach my clients to it is you're essentially you have seven days in a week, right? So you're taking, when you're counting macros, you're essentially taking an average for a week. So you can take like a hundred calories, which is, I don't know, like 20 something. I can't do mental math, 20 something carbs a week and you don't eat them during the day and you kind of save them for the weekend. So you can do that. So you can save 500 calories or a hundred ish carbs for drinking on the weekends. So you can do it that way. Um, I personally would just rather eat food during the week and just find ways to bring in the drinks. But I, I always say I like wine. So I know that a glass of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is going to be about 32 carbs. So I will account for two to three glasses. Like I don't, I'm not drinking one glass. I would never just drink one. I have to at least have two. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to account for that, but I can either take that away from like some fats or some carbs, but I don't, replace the alcohol with like i don't use that as a carb because we all know that's empty calories it's just i am tracking it because at the end of the day it does have calories in it yeah um and so i i track it because again it aligns with my goals and that's how my clients do it and they have a lot of success with it um and it also again keeps them just more intentional when they go into their weekend that they're not going to just say fuck it and drink everything because they're having fun. They now yeah. have like, I want to be able to go to the gym on Monday and like actually reach my goals because we all know that drinking alcohol does inhibit your muscle growth. Yeah. And so if they want to build that muscle, they know that, okay, I can go have three, four drinks on the weekend and I then have to just pick it back up on Sunday, Monday and get my shit together before I start lifting again. Yeah, that's a, that's a super helpful tip. What is a one last myth? Something clients Ooh, say to you all the time. And I wouldn't like, even I wouldn't even necessarily say it's a myth, but I have a lot of people say to me that um, they are going to sleep less so that they can get in their workouts. Yeah, yeah, and that Why one's really that painful idea? to me. Um, well, sleep is extremely important. And I think I lived my life for years living on four to five hours of sleep. I thought I was one of those lucky people. I remember you told me who didn't need sleep. sleep. And I, I know. Like, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> I know. And I, this, this is like up until recently until I got my aura ring. Mm-hmm. 
which I want to hear all about because I, I, I might buy one myself. <laughs> oh, you should. <laughs> but up until that, like, I'm, I'm not even joking when I'm saying I was sleeping four to five hours. Like, I would teach at, at 45. I would go to amazing. bed. I would go to bed at 11 and wake up at 3, 3.30. Um, and clients would always say, like, oh, what time do you go to bed? I'm like, oh, way too late. And so I just was living like this for years. Wow. Thought I was lucky. I'm not lucky. I'm not blessed. There's no such thing as surviving on four to five hours. I'm sorry. No. Um, and so clients tell me all the time, like, oh, I'm sleeping less so that I can get these workouts in. Yes, working out is important. Your fitness is important. But there's something that's much greater than just having gains. It's just your overall health and well-being and you need sleep. Your body needs to recover. If you are not sleeping an adequate amount, your body is never recovering. Like when you get that REM sleep, that is when your muscles are rebuilding themselves. And so if you're not getting that and you're not actually getting that sleep, your body never has time to rest. Your mind never has time to rest. So your body is just constantly in this state of like high stress, anxiety and working all the time. And so it's so important just like rest. And I would never tell a client to choose a workout over their sleep. I'll have them come to me and they'll say, I'm burnt out. Like one of my clients is a chef and she works insane hours. She basically works from sunup to sundown and like, The amount of steps she gets in a day is absolutely mind-boggling. And sometimes she'll just be like, hey, I'm so burnt out. I can't work out. So we've transitioned to at-home workouts so she can fit in a short workout at home and doesn't feel like she needs to, like, get to the gym, do the whole thing, take pre-work, you know. So we're making it so it's a very sustainable lifestyle for her so that she can get sleep because she knows she needs it and I know she needs it. And she's now getting eight to nine hours a night Yeah, without compromising that. And she's still getting the workouts in. That's awesome. So you're sleeping how much now? I'm sleeping anywhere from like eight to 10 hours. That's rad. How did that change? I am like a baby bear. How did it just change your life in general? Getting more. Um, What were some of the things you noticed? I noticed that my workouts are significantly better. Um, What would you just stronger lift? more? I'm so much stronger. I just have stamina to last throughout the entire workout. I mean, sometimes my workouts go a little bit over an hour, which I'm fine with. I like being at the gym, but I'm able to, uh, yeah, be at the gym and not feel like I'm tired. Um, I don't wake up tired. I wake up in a better mood. My skin is awesome. Nice. Um, I would say overall, I'm a happier person. I'm not cranky because I'm sleepy. Um, I don't need as much caffeine throughout the day. I can limit my caffeine intake. Um, I find that it makes me actually hungrier. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I'm just receiving a lot of positive benefits from sleeping and it's just nice. It's cozy. It's nice. (laughs) I like it, but I've also made big changes. Like I put my phone down right around seven 30, eight o'clock at night and I'll lay in bed and read. So I'm really working on screen time for myself. Um, I don't ever bring my computer into my bedroom. It is completely out of the room at all times. Um, I don't really use my phone in my bed ever. Um, So just like making those transitions has helped me sleep a lot. But again, like I've now been tracking it so intensely with my aura ring. And I'm so disappointed in myself when I don't sleep. And I'm like, oh, man, because when I don't get that perfect score, I'm sad. Tell me how it works. Well, that I can't totally tell you because I don't really know. It's got some, I'm like, it's got some thingies in here that are very uh, technologically advanced. Sweet. I know it's really cool. I actually don't wear my Apple watch anymore um, because of it. Cool. 
So what does it track? Yeah. So it tracks uh, your sleep and it tracks your heart rate during your sleep. And it tracks how much light sleep you get, deep sleep, REM, um, and then your time awake. It also tracks your movement in the middle of the night. Yeah. It tracks how fast you fall asleep, which is also something that's really important. Yeah. Which is always fun to me. I love seeing when it's under three minutes. I'm like, oh, good. That means I was really tired. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a good thing, but. Yeah. Um, And then it will also track your steps. It tracks your temperature at night. So it'll track um, like positive or negative. Um, so I always like to see that because if you're in like a really hot environment, you can see or it'll tell you if you're up like a point on your temperature, it'll be like, oh, um, it looks like you may not be feeling well. Your temperature has risen. Wow. Yeah. So that's always interesting. And it will base your like readiness score yeah. um, on all of those factors. What are the different scores you can get in like ranges? It, I believe it's any it's all the way up to 100. Okay. I think the lowest I've ever gotten was like. 30 something, which is basically no sleep. And and that's actually really fun to track because it's one of the reasons I'm also not drinking as much is because my heart rate is so high in the nighttime. If I drink before bed, even a glass of wine, like my heart rate won't come down until like 6am. That's super interesting. It's really, really, really interesting. Um, Cause I, you know, when you go out and you have a couple of drinks, you're like, you feel so tired the next morning, even though you've slept a full night. Yeah. And I always ask my clients, I was like, well, so how do you feel after you drink, even though you're still sleeping nine hours? And one of my clients was like, she's like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. Even though like I just had a couple of drinks. I was like, I bet it's because your heart rate is so high in the middle of the night. So you're not getting adequate sleep. So it does tell you that, which I find to be really intriguing and interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, I obviously love to have wine and, I hate having to take it out of my diet, so I don't, but I do notice a difference in my sleep. That's awesome. But I like knowing when I sleep a lot. So it tells you, so like 100 to like 80 is like like super ready for a hard workout? No, it depends because sometimes I'll get 80 and it'll still not be like optimal. It'll tell you if it's optimal. That's when it's like the best to work out. And it'll give you like a little crown. Got it. And it says optimal and you feel like a badass. So Again, it depends. So sometimes 87 won't be and sometimes 87 will be. Interesting. So like today it was because my heart rate went down um, early last night because I didn't have anything to drink. I got um, eight and a half hours of sleep. I went to bed within like the time frame it suggests. It gives you a recommended bedtime. Oh, wow. Um, mine is 830. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, so at 630, it sends me a message and it says, it's bedtime is approaching. My mom's like, that's on your time zone, right? I'm like, no, no, no. It's preparing me. Wow. She's like, okay. Uh, yeah. So it like really sets you up, but it also has to do with your activity levels. If you got enough steps, if you, um, it tracks your like inactivity. So if you were like sitting on a plane all day, you typically get a really low score the next day because you weren't as active that day. Got it. So like I try and power walk throughout the airport if I happen to be traveling. But if you don't walk a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's giving you a score of optimal, like you're living optimally or like your readiness for training. Your readiness for training. So, but if, if you get a low walking score, I imagine you could still get an optimal readiness for training because you're really ready for training, right? Because you haven't done anything. I, I cannot answer that. Uh, <laughs> I but I think curious. it also, I think it just depends on your like typical activity. Because if I'm typic, I'm typically walking 12,000 steps. So if I'm walking 2,000, it's going to know that's not normal for me. Yeah. It's going to know something's up. 
Um, but that's the day before. Like, obviously, I actually would say it says your body is most ready, like, once you're warmed up. And, like, it wants you to have activity. Like, it wants there to be movement. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you obviously would. I tell all my clients, you should shoot for eight to 10,000 steps a day. That's super ideal. So do you get optimal most of the time? Or has it, it's like they say optimal a couple times a week is best or... You're just trying to get. I mean, you're always trying day. to get optimal. I know, but I imagine like sometimes when you train Do I super know? hard, you would probably sometimes push yourself out of optimal, right? I don't know. You have to take this up with Aura. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just asking. <laughs> uh, I feel harassed by this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want more. Information. I've said too much. I've said too much. <laughs> That's awesome. So you dig it? I do really like it. Do you I like think your clients to get it if they want it. Um, it's whatever. It's whatever. I, again, I just think it's fun. I think it's just a different way to look at things because I think for me, when I had an Apple watch, I was like, ah, I need to close my rings. And I know other people feel that way too. I constantly was chasing the like closing my rings. Oh, explain what that is. I don't have an Apple watch. Uh, you basically like if you get enough, like all your steps in or if you like stand for the 12 hours it wants you to stand or whatever, um, you'll get the rings. Uh, so it'll like close the little rings. And I don't know. There's something so fulfilling about like closing these stupid rings. <laughs> it's just like a gamify aspect of it essentially. Yeah. And so I notice a lot of clients like you want to get, it's like when people want to get a certain amount of calorie burn in their workouts. Yeah. Same I hit 500. Thing. I feel good. Yeah. And I'm like, I never, I think I've maybe once in my life gotten over 450. So what do you think about people that measure the, the oh. the benefit of their workout based on how many calories they burn in it. I think it's stupid. Tell me why. <laughs> because how, how many calories you burn in a workout has nothing to do with the intensity of your workout. Totally. Also, the changes that occur days and weeks afterwards from that workout. It doesn't show you or reflect to you the benefits that you got from that workout. It's like when people calories. say that intensity has to do with how sweaty you get. <laughs> yeah your base or like how sore you are oh yeah that's another one yeah Ooh. so explain to good. me why that one is a is a is a rough phrase to hear they because they're not Soreness. sore mm -hmm. um well if you're training optimally and your body is like warmed up properly and you are again like training for this progressive overload your body should not be sore after your workouts no because you, when you're, you're getting sore, it's tearing your muscle fibers. So when you're getting sore, it's, you're pushing yourself past the limit that you shouldn't be really reaching. Yeah. And so I, I, yes, do I get sore? Yes. Not the way I used to get sore, but I'm also feeding my muscles properly. I am giving no. them cookie dough. And <laughs> but no, I'm giving, like, I am eating optimal protein for my mm -hmm. body. I'm eating optimal yeah. carbs. I'm eating the, correct amount of fat for my body yeah. and for my goals and so no i don't get as sore as i used to yes i get sore from doing hard workouts and challenging myself and pushing myself and there are some things that make me sore but like i'm not holding on to the walls because i gotta pee you know like we're not doing that anymore like i can't no. i could not live that life and if i got that sore from something i would be a little concerned i'm also hydrating my body enough which people also don't do yeah there's a lot of Soreness is almost an indicator of things that you're not doing appropriately, like too much soreness. It's okay when you start a new routine or sometimes you switch programming, but 
if week in, week out, you're brutally sore, you're doing something wrong. It might be your sleep. It might be your nutrition. It may be your water intake. It may be that your body's lacking vitamins, minerals. There's so many things to look at. Yeah, exactly. Any last final tips for people watching to oh, man. start on their fitness journey? I'd say just start where you can. Say if you can't do much, just start walking, move your body, do what you can. It can be 10 minutes a day, can be an hour a day, whatever works best for you. Just get moving, get your body um, to a place where it's not just sedentary and um, start drinking your water. Awesome. And if people want to work with you or connect with you, how do they do that? Yeah. So they can find me on Instagram at the trainer Tessa. That one's going to stay the same. So you can find me there. Cool. There's a link in my bio to apply to my program. Good. Um, other than that, they can find me on Facebook. It's just under my full name, Tessa Breeden. Awesome. That's it. It's pretty simple. Sweet. And easy to find. I'm in the hot pink. <laughs> yeah. All pink all the time. All pink all the time. My yeah. new brand will still be pink. Don't worry. Rad. I love it. Well, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Bodies by Brent. Brent has been a personal trainer for 16 years, and he's going to be here to help you get the body and health you've always wanted. Thanks for checking out the show, and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you have an idea or topic for the show, maybe you want to be on the show, and you're interested in working with Brent, visit our Instagram at bodiesbybrentatx. See you next time on Bodies by Brent. Brent.